Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Professor P.M. Forney will join us to discuss the thinking life. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science Show. Well, the marvels of modern technology have produced innovations that have made information easily accessible, but rather than nurturing an in-depth analysis of this information, it has rather fostered increasingly distracting activities that draw away from critical thinking. Well, joining us today to discuss this issue is Professor P.M. Forney. Professor Forney is the founder of the Civility Initiative at Johns Hopkins University. He's the author of numerous works on the subject of civility, including Choosing Civility and The Civility Solution. And his latest work, The Thinking Life, How to Thrive in the Age of Distraction, explores this issue for a general audience. And Professor Forney, we're very pleased to have you today on the Grok Science Show. I'm delighted to be with you. It's uh, certainly our pleasure. Certainly a, a great book here, uh, The Thinking Life, in which you talk about how to thrive in the age of distraction. Do you think it's become increasingly difficult, given the new technological marvels that exist, to actually sit down and think seriously about issues? It is becoming increasingly a problem uh, for our society. As a society, we can say and state with a degree of certainty that we do not think enough and we do not think deeply enough. And this is a serious problem. And the reason that it is a serious problem is that there is a direct correlation between the quality of our thinking and the quality of our lives. When when we think well, we live well. We, when we do not think well or we don't think enough, deeply enough or seriously enough, we do not live well. And uh, that is the quandary in which, in which we are finding ourselves. Our scanning of reality is so quick today that there is not enough time to reflect and for our moral faculties to engage. And soon enough, uh, that uh, consumed information ends up being a blur which will be soon followed by another blur and another one after that. And so the streaming of, of new data takes place without the significant pauses which used to be so instrumental in integrating new and old information uh, within the process of decision making because this is another issue. Uh, the importance of uh, thinking is measured by the fact that it is by thinking that we can decide, uh, make good decisions uh, for, in our lives. And so part of the experience of information is a pervasive sense that, to borrow Philip Roth, uh, everything goes and nothing matters. And and so we, we tend to lose our way in a maze of things uh, who are essentially irrelevant for our happiness, uh, but keeps us entertained. We are under the spell of entertainment, and that is not good for us. So, in a sense, the, the truly important bits of information have trouble rising above fray of background. Yeah, it's like when you have a false money 
that gets into the system, uh, it, it chases uh, away the good money, uh, and uh, so that Norman Cousins uh, uh, said it very well uh, many years ago when the, the problem was not uh, as egregious as it is now. He said, we in America have everything except the most important thing of all, time to think and the habit of, habit of thought. Now, it was a somewhat hyperbolic uh, statement. Uh, and it is indeed true that Americans don't think of themselves as thinkers, but rather as, as doers, um, which would be fine if it not, did not point to a long-standing, powerfully influential heritage of anti-intellectualism. And, and this uh, anti-intellectualism uh, begins to explain why Johnny can think. What, what do you think are the indications, or what really are the indications that serious thought has can a, um, a turn for the worse in present times? Well, we know there are some data. There is a lot of, of uh, um, evidence that is anecdotal evidence. But uh, we know, for instance, that uh, our college students study, that is, think uh, seriously, in average, about 15 hours per week, which is about half of what is traditionally considered advisable. And we also know that the number that uh, they spend in leisure activities, watching television, playing games, engaging in sports and socializing, is much higher than, than the hours spent studying. In the, in the 1960s, the average student spent 24 hours a week studying uh, in college. Compared to today's figure uh, of 14 to 15 hours per week, we have a decline of study time uh, by 42%. Now, uh, the usual response to this kind of data is that today's computers allow for a quicker dispatch of homework. And maybe there is something to be said for that. But I believe that one of the reasons for the reduced hours of study is that our students do not believe that they need to retain knowledge as much as they, that they used to. Because we are shifting from a a culture of, of retention to a culture of retrieval. They don't think they need to spend time to study hard because they can always go to the to the net. Uh, and very often, I don't need you, I have the net, is the attitude that they bring them with them with them into the the classrooms uh, of our colleges and um, and and even junior high schools and high schools. Uh, is it really then is the onus then on on the instructors to show the the need for critical evaluation of the information that exists? Yes, I think that if teachers and instructors uh, want to survive uh, as a category uh, of workers, uh, they have to make a case for their existence in the age of, of the, in, the, in the age of the of the digital. And I, uh, I'm a teacher myself, and so I'm not completely unbiased uh, uh, about this. But uh, I, I'm ready to make a case for my existence uh, in on, on campus, and uh, and I actually do in, in many of my courses. I I present my students with the with the issue. Now you have the choice of going to the net and study at home. Uh, collect information, use it, and then forget about it, or you can, or you have the option of coming to class and learning how to transform data into information, into um, 
knowledge and into wisdom. And so uh, I think there is still, uh, more than ever, I think, there is need for instructors who know what they are doing because our students uh, are always at risk uh, of losing themselves uh, in a maze of things whose digital varnish makes them seem equivalent. So what advice do you give then to your students on how to think? Well, I try to model the, and, and assume the role of a person who is aware of the importance of critical thinking. And uh, uh, I, 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 to answer your question, I do it in two ways. First, I try to make them understand uh, through my behavior and through, what, uh, through the way that I deal with them, I interact with them, uh, how a person who is a thinker thinks. And then I speak frankly and openly about uh, the benefits of thinking in our everyday lives. Thinking works like one of the reasons that thinking is irreplaceable and uh, we should do more of it um, is that thinking works like a rehearsal of our future. This is what we do when we, in the morning, we go over the important commitments, commitments of the day. Uh, as we picture ourselves in the different situation in which we find, we will find ourselves, uh, we see possible problems that we may face and start addressing them in our minds now so that they will be prepared, we will be prepared later. So thinking, first and foremost, is rehearsing our lives before we get to live them. That's, that's what makes it so important. Not thinking is like appearing on a stage without having learned our blocking and our lines. I, don't, I cannot put it in a, in, a, in a different way, in a better way, I think. Thinking allows us to appear on the stage of life prepared with our lines and our blocking. And uh, there is no substitute for that. Also, we often, we often do what we do because we can't think of anything else to do. In other words, we don't have the ability to think of a wider range of alternatives uh, uh, for, our, for our actions. It is, de- it, it is decision-making by default. Thinking does two important things for us. It expands our range of options. Uh, and it helps us choose wisely among, among that uh, expanded range of options. Again, uh, it is a, a life-determining, a destiny-determining uh, factor that can, the, the value of which cannot be ever overestimated. How is it that one should be able to sift between information that is valuable and that which isn't? I mean, a lot of misinformation exists. How does one go about critically evaluating that? Yes. one task that uh, I know I have to tackle as a college professor is to learn, to teach our, our, our students uh, to learn how to distinguish good information from bad information. And uh, uh, there is a lot of bad information, but there is also a, a lot of good information. And be within the good information, you have to distinguish between the one that you need more than, than the one from the one that, that you don't need very much. Uh, I think this is something that is very important in our society today, and we are not very good at it. We are not very smart and very uh, effective in recognizing what's important uh, 
from what is not as important. Uh, and this, in part, is is caused by the internet that that sort of uh, flattens uh, all objects, uh, and all objects coming from the net seem to have they have the particular net flavor that uh, they seem to be coming from uh, a, a production line that are stamped out. We have to. For, or to give you a, a, another way of, of thinking of this, uh, uh, when we are on the net, when we are online, we are a couple of clicking uh, uh, away from uh, um, reaching Mother Teresa, uh, what the internet has on Mother Teresa, but with the same two clicks uh, uh, of the mouse, we can reach uh, um, pole dancing. Now, the fact that the ritual is the same, we are still uh, sitting at the computer, and we uh, do the same actions, uh, this clicking, and, and it takes the same time, and it comes from the, the same source, uh, at least apparently, it diminishes the difference between uh, Mother Teresa and pole dancing. And and this is this is not good because Mother Teresa is more important than pole dancing. Uh, uh, especially youngsters uh, are not able uh, very often uh, of of distinguishing the important things uh, from the less important things uh, in the universe uh, of the um, of the digital. All of the information that's out there tends to be, as you said, flattened out. Do you think that there's some cultures that are perhaps better adept just to think critically about the information that's out there? Post? Well, I don't know because uh, that's that's entirely possible. I would not know how to answer uh, how to answer this question. It's a very difficult question for me. Uh, the phenomenon that we are experiencing of billions of people every single day, single day of that uh, uh, goes by leave for several hours a day the world of the physical for the world of the digital is a phenomenon of unprecedented uh, dimensions and we and it's very very still too early to uh, draw conclusions uh, uh, about what is going to do to us what is going to do our brain to our brain uh, and what is going to do to our societies are there may, maybe there are societies that because of the their history they and uh, they are more uh, apt at dealing with this change but the the fact is that the, the change is there and it's going to take some time to ascertain all of the good and the bad things that it will brought in its wake. So given, again, that the Internet is such an instant gratification system, how does one take oneself out of that into spending some time to actually devote to critical thinking? I suggest uh, in the book uh, a few strategies. One is to delegate. It's true that we don't like to delegate very much because we think that nobody can do a job better than we can, as well as we do. But we have to find the strength to delegate to a certain extent. Then we have to try to do the things that we do right the first time because very often a lot of time is missed in, in, in repeating jobs that were not done the first time. Then we should uh, invent uh, times and places for thinking, 
thinking for lunch, commuting thoughtfully. Uh, these are uh, possibilities. And also there is the turning of waiting time into thinking time. Uh, we are on a line. Uh, we are waiting for uh, the doctor to receive us. We are waiting in, in, in an airport for our plane to, to, to land. These are all opportunities that we could fill with good thinking rather than uh, distractly uh, thumb the pages of, of a magazine without uh, any real consciousness of what we are reading and just to kill the time. Don't kill the time. Keep, it, keep the time alive by, by thinking. And, th and, and fourth, uh, uh, I suggest of scheduling thinking time, scheduling br uh, dates with your brain in the course of the week, times in which you uh, do not respond to the insistent calls from your gadgets of mass distraction, a time when you do not turn to the first uh, available screen, uh, a time in which you are alone with yourself, uh, and in which you practice the millennial uh, art of uh, uh, introspection, of looking inside you, uh, and without uh, uh, yielding to any distraction. So uh, delegate, do things right the first time, think for lunch and compute uh, and, and commute. Uh, uh, thoughtfully use your commuting to to, to think uh, rather than, uh, for instance, um, uh, reading reading the, uh, some inconsequential uh, material, uh, reading material, and then scheduling scheduling thinking time and turning waiting time into thinking time. Just making a habit out of thinking whenever possible and uh, making time for thinking. Yes. And that is very important because there is only one thing that is more valuable than thinking, and that is having thoughts, having thoughts. Because it is when we have thoughts, when we have acted in a proactive way when it comes to thinking, that we arrive at the crossroads of our lives where we are expected to make important decisions and we have to be prepared. The only way of getting in trouble in life is when we get to these crossroads of our lives and we are not prepared. And uh, the only way or the best way of preparing is, is to, to have you thought about the issues so that uh, we are not caught uh, unprepared. You conclude your book with a uh, chapter titled, We Are What We Think. So what should we think we should be? Well, that was the, the, the Stoic philosopher's belief uh, and uh, Aristotle's belief. If you, every day of the week, get up and make wonderful loaves of bread, that means that you are a good baker. Uh, bread is on your mind. Bread is your life. You make your bread. You, you serve your community that way. And so you become a baker by acting like a baker. The same way you, you act, uh, if you act as a good person, by being thoughtful, for instance, which is a way of thinking, uh, if you act as a good person today, you act, uh, act as a good person tomorrow, as a thoughtful person the day after tomorrow, you are going to be a good person. 
So uh, that that is my my advice. Um, practice in the way that you can support and that you can model a value that is important to us and it's important for the survival of society. Be, be a good person, do, do good actions every day, uh, be, do acts of kindness, and that, and that way you will become a kind and good person. It, it, is, uh, it works like a charm. And almost certainly this foster the similar types of attitude of thinking in, in others as well. Yes, and first of all in your children and in, in the younger generation who needs uh, uh, very, very much to be exposed to these positive uh, models. Well, the, the new book is called Thinking Life, How to Thrive in the Age of Distraction. Uh, the uh, author, Professor P.M. Forney, is the founder of the Civility, Civility Initiative at uh, Johns Hopkins University. And, uh, Professor Forney, we were uh, grateful to have you today on the program. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for inviting me. All the best. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.